Last hour, we talked with the Republican candidate for U.S. Senate, Mark Curran. Now we talk to the Democratic incumbent, United States Senator Dick Durbin, joining us live this afternoon. Senator, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks, Jim. Let's uh, start with uh, kind of the the obvious thing. If I don't bring it up, your opponents will and frequently do. You've been in Washington for a long, long time, first in the U.S. House and now 24 years in the United States Senate. And your opponents all universally say that's a really bad thing. Why should voters in Illinois think that it's a good thing? Well, I hope that uh, voters appreciate what experience means. Uh, A few years ago, I had to have a little surgery and it worked out just fine. Before I made my final decision, I said to the surgeon, you ever done this before? He said over a over hundred times, said you're the man for the job, and he was. Uh, basically what it boils down to is experience counts in some areas of life. And I think when it comes to public policy, and particularly when it comes to delivering for your state, being experienced, having seniority, being on the right committees can make a big difference. I, I see some opportunities coming to rebuild this economy. I want to make sure that Illinois is at the table when the Senate sits down to talk about it. Which brings us to the the current crisis in our economy, and and here in Illinois, that crisis is deepening, and new mitigations are going up all over Illinois. Bars and restaurants facing the shutdown of indoor service here, uh, and a lot of people are, are really in panic about this. It might be easier to take if there were more federal assistance coming, but we haven't seen any for a while, and we don't know when there might be. What's going on in Washington, and when might help be on the way? Jim, let me let me say two things about that. First, uh, how did we reach this point where our infection rate is rising at an unacceptable rate, which means more and more people are getting sick, some seriously ill? How did this happen? How did we reach this point that this is happening to us? Well, first off, let me step back and tell you, this is extraordinary what's happening in the United States. Right now, you may have visited Canada. I've been up there a few times. Canadians look a lot like Americans, don't they? But when it comes to the infection rate in Canada versus the United States, ours is five times as much. When it comes to the COVID-19 death rate, our rate in the United States compared to Canada is two and a half times. How do we reach this point where we have four and a half percent of the world's population and 20 percent of the COVID-19 deaths? This has been mishandled from day one when the president knew that it was dangerous and said, said otherwise didn't pay attention to medical experts. We never had a national plan. I was on the phone with Governor Pritzker in the early days. We were just bouncing ideas off. Who can you call? We need masks. We need gloves. We need gowns. Hospitals were calling us. Where are we going to turn? It was a madhouse. The United States should have led the world's effort in how to deal with this. We didn't. The other point I want to make to you is a very valid one. These businesses are hurting and struggling, and some of them just won't make it if they get closed down again and again. It's just not going to happen. And I know because I've talked to them and they've called me begging for help. We should have passed a COVID-19 relief bill before we left Washington last week. We spent five days on Amy Coney Barrett that should have been spent on COVID-19. So will help come after the election? Will it not happen till a new Congress is seated? When might help be coming? You know, I can answer that question if I could tell you what is in the mind of this president. Uh, Win or lose, I can't tell you what the next thing he'll say or do will be. He could throw up his hands and say, you don't love me, I'm out of here, fix your own problems. He could say, I'm going to leave with a positive note here and do something important for COVID-19 relief across this country. Help unemployed people, help small businesses. I hope that's what he says. You know, we need a bipartisan approach. We had one in March. We need it again. One thing he said pretty consistently is that uh, what he sees as badly run Democratic states like Illinois should not be getting additional federal assistance. 
Can we expect any more help for state and local governments? That's a bunch of political baloney, and let me tell you why. They get up, Mitch McConnell gets up and talks about badly run states like Illinois. We've got a pension crisis, don't we? We certainly do. I don't deny that. You know who else has a pension crisis? The Commonwealth of Kentucky that McConnell represents. The incumbent Republican governor lost the last election over their pension problems. Don't tell me that it's it's the red states that are the most well-managed states and this and that. We are a common country, red states and blue states. It ought to be the United States this president's taking care of, not just his friends politically. Senator, another big issue in this campaign is obviously health care. If somehow Democrats manage to retake the White House, retake the Senate, control Congress, what do you think health care will look like? What do you want the health care system to look like a year from now? Jim, I voted for the Affordable Care Act 10 years ago, and I'll do it again. Uh, As a result of it, 23 million Americans got health insurance, 600,000 in Illinois. We cut the uninsured rate in our state in half. That's a dramatic change and a very positive one. But we've been unable to go back and fix parts of that bill ever since because it's just been nose-to-nose political battle between the two parties. That bill isn't perfect. There are things that should be fixed. We ought to have a provision in there about the cost of prescription drugs. We don't. We ought to say that Medicare uh, can can compete, uh, have competition for pharmaceuticals. We don't. Veterans Administration does. Medicare doesn't. We could lower the cost to seniors by doing that. So we've got to reach the point where we say we're going to stop fighting over whether we're going to call Obamacare and start looking at the bottom line. How do we provide affordable, quality health insurance for every single American? If we make that our goal and put party labels aside, it, I think that's the best interest of our country. Should we have a public option allowing people to opt into a Medicare-style program if they so choose? Yes, and it's purely optional. They've got to decide if they want to. A not-for-profit health insurance plan based on Medicare. We know what Medicare is like. We know what the reimbursement is. We make a separate pool so it doesn't affect the pool for seniors currently existing for Medicare. But we create a Medicare-like plan. We charge a premium that makes it solvent, but we don't set out to make a profit. That's an option. You can make a decision on your own. Do I want to do that or I want to stick with a traditional insurance company? But if uh, you've got a system that's not trying to make a profit, that would certainly suggest I might be able to get a better deal there. Doesn't that threaten to then dismantle private health insurance that a lot of people rely on right now and and they are okay with? uh, And don't we run the risk of really fundamentally altering that current system that is working for the most part for millions of families? It's called competition. And I'm not opposed to it. And I still say the final decision made by each person, each family. Go whichever route you feel best is, uh, is best for your business or your family. But to have that option out there is an incentive for other insurance companies to keep their premiums reasonable. You see how fast they're going up, Jim? And you ask uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield. We have. I'm, I want to make it clear for the record there's a lot of misinformation. Members of Congress are on the affordable health care plan. I uh, signed up for one of those plans for my wife and myself, okay? I asked Blue Cross Blue Shield that writes my policy, why do these premiums go up like this every year? They said the cost of prescription drugs. That's driving it more than anything. So if we start sitting down and saying, okay, what's driving these costs? How can we make our affordable health care affordable and economical and not compromise quality? More competition in the ranks of those insurance companies doesn't bother me at all. What do we need to do about the federal debt, which has exploded in recent years and certainly this year with pandemic relief? Uh, we now have uh, a debt this year that goes well beyond the gross domestic product. How do we address that in coming years? 
Well, I can tell you, before we prepare to run that marathon, we've got to survive, literally survive what we're involved in now. The chairman of the Federal Reserve, uh, who is a conservative Republican economist, has said to Congress, don't take your foot off the accelerator. If we don't help this economy by pushing it forward and get back on its feet, we're going to go into a slump that could last not for months but for years. And then let me tell you what the deficit and debt will look like. They'll be just horrible. What we need to do is to get America back to work and businesses back in business. Uh, I would, you, you might be surprised to hear this, but I happen to believe that the president was right with his warp speed vaccine effort, uh, creating that, getting it moving. I disagree with him. He keeps making public comments about the vaccine, when it's going to be available, who's going to do it, and so forth. Politicians, once we put this program in place, ought to step aside. But if, when we get to the point where we have a vaccine, where it's credible, safe, effective, and a majority of people are starting to use it, we're going to start seeing ourselves emerge from this current economic situation. But to, to be tight-fisted now and not spend the money on unemployed workers, helping businesses, that's a big mistake. Senator Dick Durbin is here with us. Senator, this is a little bit arcane, but it really does determine whether or not anything gets passed next year. Should the U.S. Senate do away with the filibuster? Well, we're reaching a point now where I can tell you, Jen, that for the last few years, the Senate's done little or nothing. In the year 2019, last year, we considered 22 amendments during the course of the entire calendar year. The Senate just is out of business. Uh, the House has passed a lot of legislation. The Senate won't take it up. This filibuster situation gives Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader, veto power over what we take up. So we, we haven't addressed the things that are obvious. I've talked about the Affordable Care Act being high on the list of things that we should do. Infrastructure, high on the list of things we do. We don't take any of that up, Jim. So I'm willing to work with the Senate rules if we can find a bipartisan path to do it. But I'm not going to sit here and just let anything that comes along be vetoed by any senator indefinitely. One thing Mitch McConnell has done is fill a lot of judgeships from circuit courts all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. What do you want to see happen next year if Democrats control the Senate in response to that? If Joe Biden's president, he's talked about a bipartisan commission on the court. It's long overdue. Uh, right now, the question of qualifications uh, for people serving lifetime appointments to the courts, uh, I think, should be reconsidered. Uh, we had 10 individuals recently proposed by the White House who were found unanimously unqualified by the American Bar Association. They're all wearing black robes today. That just isn't right. There's got to be a standard here, just a basic standard of competence of people who seek lifetime appointments and want to stand in judgment of everyone else. I think that's a starting point. Uh, beyond that, I'm open. I, I want to hear the conversation. Millions of people have already cast their votes here in Illinois, but, Senator, for anybody who hasn't, how do they find out more about your campaign? Oh, well, uh, we've got an official website, durbin.senate.gov, which they can go to uh, if they want to see some of the issues that we voted on and that worked on in the past. There's a campaign website, uh, Friends of Dick Durbin. I hope that uh, folks take a look there, too. U.S. Senator Dick Durbin, thanks for your time this afternoon. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jim.